0: This is The Look Ahead on v The Sports Betting Network.
1: It's hour number three of The Look Ahead right here on v The Sports Betting Network. It is Greg Peterson holding it down tonight as Scott Seidenberg is off. And I am very glad to be with you guys because we've got a lot that is going to be coming up in the final hour as we're going to be hitting on a lot of college basketball. In the last hour, I wound up hitting up on my New York Post play that I'm going to be having out there in college basketball. Have no fear in the final segment right around twelve forty-five slash twelve fiftieth PM Pacific time, Eastern time. That is three fifty-ish. We're gonna be re-looking at that. So we've got you guys all covered there. Gonna be hitting on some college basketball. Gonna be taking a look forward to a little bit of NFL that we're gonna be seeing over the weekend as well. But With that said, everything that we wind up doing here at V-CIN, is thanks to so many people that do great work behind the scenes. You've got my wonderful producer, Jason Kahn who is holding it down tonight. Taylor does a great job of getting me all set up on audio. And then got our technical director, Matt, who does absolutely terrific work as well. All these guys are doing absolutely amazing work. Without them, you would not be seeing me or hearing me right now. So a big shout-out to these guys, best in the business, for being able to put me in a position for success. Now I have to try to put you in a position to be able to make you some money. How about if we go with some SEC basketball here? And we're going to be starting out. With the Iron Bull on the hardwood, Auburn versus Alabama. And the reason why I bring this up is, ironically enough, as I'm coming on here at Circa, along with a few other books out there in Vegas, we've seen a little bit of a line move on this game. This game wound up opening up with Alabama being a 1.5 point favorite. They wound up going up to 2.5 at a lot of books. Now we've seen some buyback to 2. Your total on this game, you're finding it anywhere between a 156 or a half. So I'm seeing a little bit of a divide in the market. I want to personally be lining this at a two and a half. So here at the twos that we're starting to see pop up more and more, I am in on this Alabama team now. Alabama has been a frustrating team to be able to handicap this year because you take a look at Alabama, and they've had some really good performances. They went on the road last week. They got a tremendous win against Florida. They also gave up a 90 spot to Missouri. I mean, boy, oh, boy. That is absolutely embarrassing right there. And I will say for Auburn, this has been a tremendous team we got a guy by the name of Jamari Smith, and if you don't know about Jamari Smith, he should be, in my opinion, a top-ten contender for the Wooden Award at this point. I personally have him in my top five. I think that he has been that good for this Auburn team. You take a look at Auburn as well. It's a team that they are one of the best in the country at being able to generate turnovers, but when I take a look at this Alabama bunch, I do think that they should be able to win this game outright for one. You can never undermine the advantage of home court in college basketball. It's going to be a ruckus atmosphere, and... I tell you right now, there's going to be a lot of students on campus that are salty of what wound up happening on Monday, and they're going to be out for blood on Tuesday. So, And it's going to be very, very fascinating to take a look at that. But Jaden Shackelford. I think it's going to be out for blood on this Auburn team because he has been able to give the team 16 points, shooting 39.5% from three-point range. I think that he's going to have himself a big game in this one. Keon Ellis is a multifaceted guard that has been able to do a wide variety of things for this team, shooting 88% of the free throw line, 12.5 points, 6.2 rebounds, a little bit over two assists, and 1.7 steals per game. So these guys have been terrific. J.D. Davidson has been able to come through this bunch. You've got a guy in Noah Gurley who's been able to give you right around four boards. Comes in for Furman. He's a guy that has size that's able to shoot from three. Now with Auburn, Walker Kessler has been able to own things down the 4.1 blocks per game. He's in the top three in all of college basketball with that regard. So Auburn has been able to own the paint. But when it comes to Auburn, this team can be out a little bit more from the outside. Now you do have quite a few guards that have come in for this team and they'll be able to do a good job. Katie Johnson is averaging double figures. You've got to love what you've been able to get out of guys like Zeb Jasper and company but you do take a look at this Auburn team and where they are able to be had is they're outside the top 100 with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage, and that's where Alabama makes a living. Alabama's not a team that is going to try to go in there and going to try to win the battle on the glass or anything like that. This is a team that they're looking to stroke it from three-point range, so the metric of Auburn leading the country with regards to blocks per game, you sort of throw that a little bit more out the window. Obviously, you don't want to completely undermine it, but it'd be a bigger deal against a team like We're going to throw out there a team that shoots a bunch of tubes like UC Irvine, for example. They always get the ball inside. They don't really take any threes. It would be bigger in that instance than it is in this instance, in my opinion. I do think that Alabama going to be able to get the job done on their home court. I wound up saying them as a a two-and-a-half point favorite, so I'm going to lay the one-and-a-half here. When it comes to the total, I think we've gotten up a little bit too lofty. You've got a pair of teams that they'd like to play up-tempo, but... Just because you play up-tempo doesn't mean that you don't play any defense whatsoever. This is an Auburn team that, when it comes to points allowed on a per-possession basis, it has been one of the better teams out there in college basketball. And when Alabama was really good last year, it's because they were actually playing some supreme defense. And I think that Nate Oates is going to be able to preach that to his guys. Set so this total more around a half. So I'm going to be diving under. And I'm going to lay a 2.5 here when it comes to this Alabama Crimson Tide bunch. So seeing the twos out there, I'm willing to lay it. Here's one where I'm going to be willing to take the underdog. How about if we go 6'11, 612 on the betting board? South Carolina hits the road to face off against Tennessee. Tennessee opened up a 13-point favorite. Now you're finding them a 15-point favorite, and your total on this game is 139 and a half. I actually felt like the number of 13 wasn't necessarily too bad because, or this number of 13 wasn't too bad. Now at 15, it's starting to get a little bit too far. I wound up saying my number at 15. Here at 15, you just really have missed the boat with Tennessee because with Tennessee, it's a team of which it's just really tough for them to be able to cover these big numbers because the three-point shooting is so hit or miss. When it comes to Tennessee, this is a bunch that you wind up seeing them when they wind up going to Madison Square Garden, and they just weren't able to hit water if they fell out of a boat in that game. Kennedy Chandler has been a little bit all over the place recently, so that's an issue. John Fulkerson has been able to do a relatively solid job down low when it comes to South Carolina. Would Not have been willing to take a 13. As a matter of fact, at 13, I was in on Tennessee. But I mean, man, this is a number that has really passed you by because with South Carolina, I feel like a lot of people are just out on them because they are a team that, let's call it what it is, they're not, they're not very efficient. Right around 15 turnovers per game, this is a team that is collective. They shoot 32 33 percent from three point range. Jermaine Cousinard, 2.1 assists and over three turnovers per game. I do think that Keyshawn Bryan is going to be able to pick it up a little bit more. A guy that lies here, averaged 14.5 points, right around six rebounds per game. Now this year, you take a look at him and starting right around 8.5 points per game while i missing the first six or seven games of the season. But James Reese, the transfer from North Texas, has been able to shoot 38% from three-point range. Now, when it comes to Tennessee, Josiah Jordan-James is a total glue guy and a sad sheet suffered. Six points, five and a half rebounds, a little bit over a block and a steal per game. A guy that hasn't necessarily been great from three-point range, but he certainly has been able to show that in the past. Like I said, this is a number that I wound up saying at 15. So, here at 15, now I'd be willing to take a little bit more of a stab on South Carolina. Slash wait a little bit more at 13 i mean you were getting some value at tennessee but we have seen a big giant line move and as i always try to reiterate and it's pretty much with any sport you are betting on numbers you are not betting on teams and when you wind up seeing line moves like this sometimes it causes you to need to take a little bit more of a look at things just because when it comes down to the difference between say Obviously, in the NFL critical numbers, that obviously is massive. But in a situation like this, it certainly has big coming case in which Tennessee is now getting up a little bit too lofty. So, I do think that that is a game of very much intrigue. How about if we go to another game of intrigue out there in the SEC? Kentucky hits the road to face off against Vanderbilt. You've got yourself a Vanderbilt team that is a home underdog of anywhere between seven and seven and a half points. Opened up at six. Toron's game is 140 and a half i was in on vanderbilt before i'm in on them now all the more with vanderbilt i love for this team Rodney chapman someone who winds up coming in from dayton he's a starter for this team and he is now back he wound up missing the first 10 plus games of the season you saw him in that diamond egg classic tournament out there in hawaii he's a very good defender for this team i think that he's going to be able to do a solid job of really holding things down on the perimeter with regards to his defense against the kentucky team that Let's call it what it is. They're a relatively solid three-point shooting team. Kellen Grady able to shoot well over 40% from three-point range. He's given the team 12 points per game in terms of his overall efficiency metrics. Actually, one of the better t- players in all of college basketball. And then you've got Ty Ty Washington, a guy that shoots over 40% from three-point range, right around 13 points per game. And then I mean, we got to mention Oscar Sheba is one of the most dominant players in the low post in college basketball that we've seen in a long time. 16 points and. rebounds per game there was a game that kentucky played against western kentucky i would say about three weeks ago and he wound up out rebounding western kentucky all by himself i mean that is just absolutely insane but when it comes to vanderbilt you've got a guy miles sute who's been able to give you eight and a half points per game shooting 40 percent from three-point range when it comes to what you've been able to get out of scotty pippen jr as well this is one of the best players at being able to draw fouls. you saw it in that diamond head classic game there was a game that I think it was against Hawaii where he wanted running off 15 straight points for the team. So this guy could be an absolute game breaker for you. Now, Liam Robbins is still out the full the seven footer that was transferring him from Minnesota. Who knows if we're gonna be able to see him at all this season, but certainly is something that Vanderbilt has been trying to overcome and they've been able to do so in the form of Jordan Wright. He has been Mr. right for the team, 12 and a half points right around five and a half boards per game a guy that's able to have some size shoot right around 32 percent from three 85 percent the free throw line and when it comes to vanderbilt what this team does very well is the little things because with vanderbilt they have been able to generate right around 17 turnovers per game that is a top 20 mark in all of college basketball this is a kentucky team that they've got Xavier wheeler who why was that georgia last year Committed darn near five turnovers per game. He's been able to cut down on that this year. He has been able to give the team seven half assists per game, but he still has his turnover tendencies. So I do think that that's going to be something to take a look at. When it comes to Vanderbilt, this isn't a team that necessarily is dominant on the glass, but what they do do a good job of is giving themselves some second chance opportunities. When it comes to offensive rebound rate, this is actually a relatively solid team. So I do think that that's going to be very big in this spot. When it comes to Kentucky, I do think that they should be able to get the outright win, but having used to work for the official flagship station of the vanderbilt commodores the layout of this thing is very very complex when it comes to the gym because they've got the benches sort of on the alternate side and if you just take a look at what kentucky has done in nashville the last few years it hasn't necessarily been a welcoming place for them as well. I do think that Jerry Sackhouse is going to be able to coach up his guys. I do think that they're going to be able to hold in there. I'm going to be taking a look at an under in this game. Now, when it comes to Vanderbilt, I want to make them more around a three-point underdog. So, I'm going to be taking a look at the points in this spot. We've got you covered with regards to SEC basketball. We'll try to fit in there. Ole Miss versus Texas A&M as the hour winds up going along. But going coming up next... We've got some NFL to take a look at as well, including this Rams versus Cardinals game that is going to be coming up on Super Wildcard Weekend. Going to be hitting that next right here on The Lookout on v Sports Bang Sportsman.
0: This is the look ahead on VSN, the sports betting network.
1: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VSN.com to check out the current betting splits data. This new feature allows you insight on where the money and the bets are moving for every single game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money does not match up with the public opinion. Data is available for Moneyline over, under, and against the spread bets Betting splits are another way Vincen is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. So check out the betting splits for every single game now at Vincen.com as we're back here on the lookout with myself, Greg Peterson. If you're listening to me live, well, coming up in 45 minutes, you get three more hours of Greg Peterson on the lookout. If you're listening to the replay of this, so that'd be 3:15 a.m. Pacific, 6:15 a.m. Eastern. Well, in 45 minutes. Follow the money with Mitch Moss and Pauly Howard is going to be coming your way. They've always got you guys covered with a lot of just goodness in general. So that is going to be absolutely terrific. What else is absolutely terrific? Taking a look at everything that we've got in the NFL. And when it comes to the wildcard round, in my opinion, the most intriguing matchup is going to be one of these rematches that we're going to be seeing. Arizona Cardinals and the LA Rams. Rams are finding themselves as a four-point favorite right now, and your total on this game is anywhere between fifty and fifty and a half. And I have yet to be able to fire in on this, but right now I am leaning towards another fade of the L.A. Rams. I recognize the fact that the Arizona Cardinals have certainly been having their deficiencies on offense with regards to not having DeAndre Hopkins out there. Now there's a chance that Hopkins might be able to return in the postseason, but you got to figure that if DeAndre Hopkins does wind up being able to make it out there, that he's going to be far from 100%. So who knows how that is going to wind up going. But when it comes to the Rams, you just take a look at the turnover wolves of Matt Stafford. And I'm seeing a lot of apologists out there trying to cut the guy some slack. But maybe we just have to look at it and be like, maybe this guy isn't that good. I mean, I wish I could put it any other way. But... I mean, we always attributed the fact that Matt Stafford wasn't able to have success in Detroit, being like, oh, it's just Detroit. They wound up sending Calvin Johnson into retirement, Barry Sanders into retirement. They have been good since it was like 1937. And yeah, I mean, it's just one of these cases in which you were attributing it to that. But I don't know. I just take a look at Matt Stafford and I'm not impressed. He threw 17 interceptions this year. He wound being tied pretty much for the league lead in interceptions. Apparently, he had an injured toe, and that's what John McVay said. I think that he's making an excuse for as to why Matthew Safford is just not living up to his billing. And this is a team in which they've got a lot of pressure on them. you got to be taking a look at outside forces, in my opinion, from time to time when it comes to just some of these teams, especially when it comes to these big-time matchups and all the pressures on the Rams. They didn't wind up going out there and trading the package that they did for Matthew Stafford, going out there, getting Von Miller, going out there and just making all these moves just to be able to make the postseason this year and try to win a Super Bowl in three years. This is win-now mode for the Rams, and they haven't been doing a whole heck of a lot when it comes to recent weeks. They were able to survive and advance in that game against the Baltimore Ravens, that game against the Vikings. He wound up having three interceptions from Stafford. If he plays an effective game, that winds up being a big-time differential, and... When it comes to the rams i actually do like this defense you've got aaron donald who is the most dominant player at his position of pretty much anyone in football i think that you could also make the case for justin tucker being by far the best kicker out there in the nfl as well but i mean you take a look at he versus who you'd rate as your number two defensive tackle in all of the NFL, uh, in all the nfl and i think the difference between one and two is one of the biggest that you're gonna find but when it comes to this rams team I think it's going to be very big. It's just Matt Stafford cutting down on the turnovers. I wish I could put it any more complex than that. I wish that it was a little bit more of something where we need to dive into the advanced analytics or anything like that. But I think that this game just all depends on whether or not Matthew Stafford winds up throwing interceptions. And you take a look at this Arizona Cardinals defense. And there's a chance that J.J. Watt might be out there on the field for this team. That would no doubt be very big for them. And you take a look at this Cardinals team. They weren't necessarily terrific at being able to get a bunch of picks, but, I mean, Buda Baker is a guy that's able to give you three interceptions. Byron Murphy Jr. was able to do a solid job. Jalen Thompson is someone that I think is a little bit underrated at the safety spot. Wound up having, like, 120 tackles. He was able to get a trio of picks himself. So, I mean, this is a Cardinal secondary that is relatively solid. You take a look at the last time these two teams wound up playing. It was a loss that the Arizona Cardinals wound up taking to the Rams, but... When the Cardinals wound up going to L.A. earlier this season, they were able to get the W in that game. And I will say Kyler Murray hasn't necessarily quite looked like himself as compared to what we wound up seeing at the beginning part of the season. So... That is it's something that needs to be factored in. And the last time these two teams wound up playing, Murray through two interceptions did not wind up finding the end zone. But what I also think is going to be very critical for the Arizona Cardinals is, I think part of the reason why they have looked so pedestrian recently has been the fact that they've been dealing with a little bit of an ailment to James Conner. He was able to get back out there on the field last week against the Seahawks. It was in a losing effort, but he was able to give the team a touchdown 15 rushing touchdowns this season, and he didn't even wind up playing in 15 games. So this guy has been very impressive for this Arizona Cardinals team. When it comes to what you're able to get on that front seven, even with JJ Watt, they've been able to do a relatively solid job of being able to get some pressure. And when it comes to the Rams, I do think what has been very beneficial for them, you wind up seeing that in the last matchup between these two. Sony Michelle has been able to step up. Sony Michelle has been a guy that's been able to give the team a little bit over four yards per carry, really stepped up because you know that the Cam Akers injury wound up taking out quite a bit of the Rams. We figured All right, how are they going to be able to move the ball? Michelle has been a very good find for the team. And obviously, Cooper Cup. I mean, what more could be said about this guy? I mean, the last time these two teams wound up playing, he had 13 receptions and a touchdown in that one. So, I mean, it's been historically one of the better seasons that we've seen from a non-quarterback in recent memory. But I do think that with the Rams, something just seems to be off. They've got all the pieces to be able to win a Super Bowl. You look at this team on paper, they are a top three team. You look at this team with your own eyes and how the pieces have meshed together. They are not a top three team. So I take a look at this spot and I do think that the Cardinals could be peskier. This could be more of like a plus four play because I think that the Cardinals have a chance to be able to win it outright. Like I said, I have yet to bet it personally because I'm still looking into this, but the more I take a look at this game, the more I wind up signing with the Arizona Cardinals. So I think that this is going to be a very intriguing one that we're going to see wildcard weekend. And then, I've got in on another game that's going to be out there in the nfc because i think that this one is interesting as well with the cowboys taking on the san francisco 49ers when it comes to 49ers across the board you're finding them mostly as a three-point favorite here at circa You really got the only two and a half that i'm seeing out there right now and if you like the cowboys i would encourage you guys to take a look at that two and a half because you're probably not going to be finding too many of them and if you do wind up getting one you probably want to jump on it and jump on it as quickly as possible because As I was talking about in the last segment with that South Carolina versus Tennessee game, you're not betting teams, you're betting numbers, and the difference between 2.5 and and 3 is one of the biggest that you're going to find just in terms of the betting market in general. So that is something big, and this is the biggest whopper of total that we're seeing out there. Anywhere between 50.5 and 51 with the Cardinals game. That is also a relatively solid one, but you're not seeing anyone go to 51 like we're seeing in a few markets on this game. But when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys, I think that they should be able to win this game comfortably. I do recognize the fact that the 49ers were able to have a very spirited effort to be able to get into the playoffs, but Jimmy Garoppolo's thumb is, well, it's not in good shape right now. We're going to put it to you that way, and when it comes to 49ers, this team has been able to do a great job on defense, but with the Dallas Cowboys... Even with having Michael Gallup on injured reserve, I do think that they've got more than enough weapons to be able to get it done. Dak Prescott, I feel like, has really been able to come into his own. He's really been able to respond through adversity. The adversity, the team being in a little bit of a downer towards the back half of the season, he was able to pick it up. Obviously, the Eagles weren't necessarily a whole lot to write home about in Week 18 because they were resting a bunch of guys. But even with that, Dak Prescott, Able to get the job done. CD Lamb, Amari Cooper, one of the better wide receiver duos they are able to find in the NFL and for the Dallas Cowboys as well. What has really been the difference for the team is that they've actually been able to play defense. Now, Trayvon Diggs, Micah Parsons, they wanted missing week 18. You got to be checking in on their status. Now, when it comes to Parsons, he was out due to an illness. So, I mean, if you got to figure that he's going to be good to go on this one. And then with Trayvon Diggs, he was dealing with a little bit more of an actual injury. From all indications, sounds like he should be good to go. You want to be just crossing your T's, dotting your I's, trying to be able to get a little bit more information there, but I would assume that both of these guys are going to be good to go. When it comes to the Cowboys, so what I think is even bigger is Tyron Smith, a guy that has been dealing with a little bit of an ailment. He is someone that is out there at that blind spot. And he was dealing with an illness a little bit last week as well. Once again, should be good to go in this game. But you take a look at the flip side, what you're able to get out of this 49ers team. And I will say, Elijah Mitchell out there in the backfield has been able to do a relatively solid job. You wound up seeing a lot more carries with Raheem Moser going down after like five carries earlier this season. But you do take a look at the 49ers. You've got all the pieces for Jimmy Garoppolo to be successful in this game. Brandon Ayuk, Debo, Samuel, George Kittle, all these guys are very, very solid pieces. But you also take a look at the 49ers and the secondary just hasn't been what it's been in the past. So I do think that that is going to be a little bit of an issue for the San Francisco 49ers team. And when it comes to San Francisco 49ers, certainly the hallmark of this team is defense. You want to see Nick Bosa at 15 and a half sacks here, But outside of Nick Bosa, nobody else on this team has, had more than six and a half sacks this season. And when it comes to the secondary, Jimmy Ward was the only guy that wound up having multiple interceptions. They had nine as a collective. I think that the Cowboys should be able to rip this defense apart. I think that the Cowboys get it done, especially if you're able to get the two and a half Miami at mean, yeah, circa. I think that it's a good bet. And this is one them which I do think that the Cowboys should be able to dominate. We're gonna to look to dominate the college basketball cart as well for Tuesday. Gonna be looking at some of the marquee games that we're gonna be having next right here on the look at on Beaston. These Sports Bang Network.
0: This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network.
1: VSIN has a great new offer to make this your best betting season ever. Our all new Big Game Big Dance special provides VSIN plus all access to everything that we do now through April 5th and get it for just $69. Sign up now and get our daily best bet emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming big game, and College Hoops betting guides, plus full access to vcin.com with our exclusive betting splits, breakdowns for every single game. It's one of the most exciting betting seasons of the year, so don't miss out on one of the best deals of the year. Visit vcin.com slash big deal to sign up today as we're back here on The Lookout with myself, Greg Gibson. Pearson. We've got a lot that is going down in college basketball for Tuesday. We've already hit on a few marquee games. We've given a lot of love when it comes to the heartland of America, the teams that are more out there in like the Big 12, what have you. But how about if we go to the East Coast a little bit, and you've got a very intriguing storyline with this one, as you've got St. Bonaventure, who is going to be hitting the road, and they're going to be facing off against LaSalle if you're looking at the rotation number of this one, it is 629, 630. When it comes to St. Bonaventure, they wind up opening up a 9-point favorite in this game, despite the fact that the interesting storyline in this one comes in here, the fact that they have not played since December 17th. So, you've got to be taking a look to see if there's going to be any rust or not, and that opening number of 9, it's all relatively steady. If you're out there on the East Coast and you have access to DraftKings, finding it at a 9.5, your total on this game is 141 and a half. but it comes to the spot... When i'm saying the line more at six when it comes to covet pauses you wind up seeing them really come into play after about two or so weeks now it's a little bit too pronged with st Bon adventure i think that they've wound up dealing with a little bit of covet but part of that as well obviously you've got christmas break you've got turn of the new year finals what have you but i mean this is a st Bonaventure team that they haven't played in right around like 25 26 days so it has been a while for these guys and I don't know how they're going to necessarily look. Now, Kyle Lofton was dealing with a little bit of an injury on that last game on the 17th of December that they wanted playing against Virginia Tech. He was able to get out there on the floor, so got to figure that now he's going to be certainly at 100%. Jalen Attaway has been able to give this team double figures. He's been able to do a solid job of launching Ron Holmes. But with St. Bonaventure, the reason why so many people were so bullish on this team coming into the year is because of their defense. They were playing absolutely tremendous defense last year that allowed them to get to the NCAA tournament. They want up not necessarily being able to hold up against LSU, but their defensive effort was one of the best in all of college basketball. And you saw Oshun Oshuni, so they will give you 10 points, six rebounds, and three blocks per game. But you take a look at where things have really been going wrong for this Bonnie's bunch, and it's been the fact that the defense has not really been there for the team. You take a look at their last five games going into this little bit of a pause, and they have given up at least 71 points in four of them. That is not something I expected to see with St. Bonaventure. And it's not as if the Bonnies are necessarily pushing base and they're playing at some sort of a breakneck speed or anything like that. When it comes to St. Adventure, they have sped themselves up a little bit from last year, but 270th in the country with regards to possessions per game. I mean, man... It's not necessarily so great. And then you take a look at LaSalle. You do have a guy in Christian Ray who's able to give you seven and a half rebounds per game. Now, I don't think that they're going to be able to necessarily match up the world's greatest Salmo against someone like an Oshuni. But I do like the fact that Jamari Breakus has been able to give you right around three assists, nine and a half points per game. Josh Nickelberry is someone that wants coming in from Louisville. He's shipping in there 12 to 13 points per game. You've got a LaSalle team, which it always has been. And I'm sure it always will be a situation which the whole is greater than the sum of its parts when it comes to this team and I do think that LaSalle is gonna be able to hold up in this spot because you do take a look at this Bonnie's team and once again the defense just has not been there for this team when it comes to guarding the three-point arc they have done absolutely none of that 272nd in the country for St. Bonaventure, opponents are shooting over 34% from three-point range on them. This is able to sell a team that they do rely quite a bit on the three-point shot. Now, they themselves are not necessarily doing a great job of being able to guard the arc 277. So, it's pretty much like the Spider-Man GIF where they're pointing at each other. But, this is a sale team that they give themselves second chances. A little bit over 12 offensive rebounds per game. And, this is a team that they've actually been able to accrue right around 4.5 blocks per game. Despite the fact that you don't wind up having, like, one dominant player down low. This is a team that has been able to do a good job as a collective, including Clifton Moore. They will give you 11 points, 6.2 rebounds per game. So you are getting more from Moore, and I think that you're going to get some bang for your buck if you take a look at LaSalle in this spot. Now, I do think that St. Bonaventure is going to get back to their roots. I set this total more around a, 130 and a half, so I'm going to be taking a look at an under, but very willing to take between 9 and 9.5 and here when it comes to LaSalle. So we're going to be exploring a cover with the LaSalle Explorers, and we're going to be taking a look at the points when it comes to college basketball, you've got a lot of teams out there in the ACC. They're going to be doing battle on Tuesday as well, including Pitt versus Syracuse. It has not been the world's greatest year for either of these teams. Pittsburgh has been able to pick it up a little bit recently for Syracuse. It has certainly been tedious for them as this is 645-646. Syracuse finds themselves a 10-point favorite. Drawing this game is anywhere between 142 and 142.5. You have seen Jamarius Burton really find his superpowers once again for this Pittsburgh team. He's someone that Last year was just a last year for him. He went to Texas Tech thinking that he'd be the man, and then they wound up getting Mack McClung at the last minute two seasons ago. Is was at Wichita State. able to get the team 10 points per game. It's never necessarily been a just lights-out three-point shooter, but at the same time, someone that by and large has been able to do a relatively solid job. You take a look at this team, and they're going to need him to continue to be top-notch for this bunch because you've got Femi Oakala, who's been able to give you right around 12 or so points per game, but... It's been a little bit of a walking turnover for this team with Pittsburgh. They rank in the bottom 35 with the guards' possessions per game, but at the same time, this is also a team that they have been turning the ball over a little bit over 13 times for contests. You were hoping for a little bit more out of Mohamed Gay. Who coming in from Stony Brook. They will get the team right around 9 points, 5.5 rebounds per game, but the big thing when it comes to what we've been seeing out of Burton is that in the team's last seven games, he has scored at least 13 points in every one of them, except for one where he wound up having 12 points against the Jacksonville Dolphins, and you just take a look at what he's been able to do from the outside as well. He wound up getting off to a really rough start to the season, but ever since December 12th so the last six games from he has been able to give the team 16 points, shooting 96% free throw and at 41% for three, but the problem is he's running into a little bit of a buzzsaw here for Syracuse uh, the defense that has honestly been there, but they're going to be going up against the Pittsburgh team that they don't necessarily do a lot down low. You haven't able to get some relatively solid production out of John Hughley, who's been able to give you 15 and a half points, eight rebounds per game. But Syracuse, I think, is going to be able to win the battle down low. And you've got a lot of good three point shooters when it comes to the Syracuse team. Joe Girard shoots 46.5% from three point range. He's been able to give this team right around four and a half assists. Now, the three turnover game is a little bit unsightly, but you've got Bayam Q because you've got Jim Baym the coach, and then Jimmy and Buddy Baym, Jimmy and Buddy both of these guys combined to be able to give you right around 33 and a half points per game. You've got Buddy, who's shooting 90% of the free throw line, but only right around 32% for three. Jimmy, you know, he only shoots right around 55% of the free throw line, but 40% for three point range. Cole Swider, 6'9", duo player that winds up coming in from Villanova, shooting 37.5% for distance, 13 points per game. Jesse Edwards has been able to step up now. When it comes to the Syracuse team, the issue for them, they haven't necessarily been able to find guys coming in off the bench. And have been able to give this team a lot of production. Samir Torrance has actually been looked to for a few more minutes. And as we have stepped up in some of those minutes, he's not necessarily a guy that is going to knock down a lot of shots of. So you're not able to get a lot of offensive production there. But when it comes to Pittsburgh, it is a team that they've really had to throttle down because they've been dealing with a whole bunch of ailments in their backcourt. They do now have Ethio Horton, a gentleman that winds coming in from Delaware back in full, which has been able to help them out. But, with pittsburgh i think that this is a bad spot for them out of 358 d1 teams they rank 345th with the possessions per game so it's a spot in which i'm going to be taking a look at it under set this total at 131 and fm with syracuse i'm going to lay more like a 13 in this spot set this line at 13 and a half so i'm going to be willing to lay it with them when it comes to the acc as well it's going to be interesting to see if we wind up having a letdown spot with this team as you've got miami hitting the red face off against florida state Florida State, six-point favorite total on this game anywhere between 150 and 150 And a half. And when it comes to Miami, this team has been just absolutely tremendous at taking care of the ball in the top ten in all of college basketball when it comes to turnovers on a per-possession basis. And you've got to love what you've been able to get out of Charlie Moore. Charlie Moore had seven steals all by himself in that upset win against Duke, but you got to wonder if this is a little bit of a letdown spot here because when it comes to the win against Duke, it's the ultimate high of highs for this team and when it comes to Jim Laranaga he has been able to do a solid job when he's had pieces around him but when it comes to this Miami team you still have your question marks when it comes to rebounding when it comes to the team Sam Werdenberg is a guy of size he's able to give you a couple rebounds and you do have to like the way that you've been able to have Cam McGussie take over the offense right around 18 points per game he's been able to shoot in the neighborhood of about 39 percent from three-point range but at the same time you do take a look at this Florida State team they generate right around 10 steals per game they do a great job there and You've been able to have Cam Mills, who wound up coming in after being the preseason American Athletic Conference Player of the Year going into last season at Houston. And he's been able to give the team right around 13 points per game. He's a guy that's starting to light it up from three-point range. And Malik Osborne shoots 42% from three-point range. You've got just limitless size and athleticism when it comes to Florida State. I think that that's going to be an issue against a Miami team that they've been utilizing a little bit more finesse. So I do think that they might wind up getting punched into the mouth a little bit in this game. I do think that Florida State... Prevents a very tough matchup. Matthew Cleveland, the star freshman, has been able to do a solid job of being able to give this team a lot in the low post as well. So, I do think that Florida State is going to match up very well against this Miami team. I think that you're looking at a classic flat down spot. I wound up setting my line at six 6'5". So, one way at 6' here. With Miami, this is not a team that's necessarily looking to pump up the tempo either. They have been just really efficient. And I do think that at some point, you are going to see this offense taper off. Wanted to saying this so at 144 and a half as well. So going to be taking a look at an under, and here in the final segment of the look at coming up next, going to give you guys my New York Post play of the day for college basketball on Tuesday, and just what I like in general right here on Veasan, the Sports Bang Network.
0: VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
1: If you miss any part of our show or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Check out all the replays for all of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to vsin.com slash podcast, and from there, you are able to get Beating the Book with Gail Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got you covered with Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, and Coast to Coast Hoops, which just uploaded a new episode with 45 minutes ago with myself, Greg Oops Peterson. They are all free and available now at VEASAN.com slash podcast, wherever you every year your podcast. It is the final segment right here of The lookout with myself, Greg Peterson, holding it down for Scott Seidenberg tonight. And coming up, if you're listening to me live... Well, you're going to be hearing myself again for three hours, so you'll be able to have a blast with that. If you are listening to the replay of this at 3.45 a.m. Pacific, 6.45 a.m. Eastern, follow the money with Mitch Moss and Paul Howard. Comes your way in now more like 14 minutes, so when you're getting closer and closer to that, guys always do an absolutely terrific job, so glad to be able to warm it up for them a little bit and Glad to be here talking some college basketball because we've got some great games that are going to be going down on Tuesday. And I always write one up for the New York Post. And today, we want to take a look at Iowa State versus Kansas. If you're looking on the betting board, this is 651-652. Kansas find themselves between an 11 and an 11 half point favorite, depending on where you look in your drawdown game. You're between 141-and-a-half and 142. And when it comes to Iowa State... I think that they're going to be able to hold in this game. I wound up saying this line more like seven with Iowa State. They wound up really taking their first real bad loss against Oklahoma a few days ago. But if you take a look at that game, I feel like you've got to take a look at more than just the box score. It was an Iowa State team that led for much of the game. They were tied with six minutes left to go, and then they were just on the wrong end of a hellaciously bad run. I mean, it's just one of those things that happened. I know that many people ask me how you wind up taking a look at variance and how you wind up just letting things iron out and I think that the biggest key is just taking a look at how some of these results wound up happening and Iowa State was in that game throughout it seemed like it was the right side until pretty much it wasn't in the very back half of that game but I think Iowa State is going to be able to do is going to be able to force some turnovers on Kansas this team ranks in the top ten in all of college basketball in terms of turnovers forced on a per possession basis. You've got Tyrese Hunter who's able to give you 2.4 steals right around 10 points per game, and then I do like what you're able to get out of Isaiah Brockington, the transfer that comes in from Penn State, 16 points, 7 rebounds, shooting 41% from three. Now Iowa State. Not necessarily the world's greatest team at being able to hit threes, but you take a look at Kansas in terms of a per 100 possession basis in the last three games, they've slowed down with their offense averaging 11.9 points per 100 possessions, fewer in this time span. They have been cooled off a little bit and they're, sort of facing a mirror image of a team that they wound up losing to in Texas Tech. I think that there are some big-time similarities. Now, when it comes to Kansas, this has been a team that has been one of the top teams at all of college basketball. The guards points on a per possession basis. They rank in the top 10, but I would say in terms of defensive efficiency, points that they allow on a per possession basis, they rank in the top 5. So, I do think that I would say going to be able to hold up there when it comes to Kansas. You've been able to get more rebounding out of Quite a few guys like David McCormick, for instance. He wound up having that big double-double to allow the team to be able to cover that game against Oklahoma State last week. You've certainly been able to get some good production out of Jalen Wilson recently as well. He's been able to do a good job recently, giving the team six half rebounds, wound up missing the first three games of the season. And O'Shea Okbaji shooting 47% from three. In terms of my player of the year vote right now, I would put him in my top five. Is one of the better on-ball defenders that you're able to find in all of college basketball. But I do think that Iowa State is going to be able to hold in there. Backcourt has been playing very, very good with regards to their defense. And I feel like you're able to correlate this a little bit. If you like the over, you're probably leaning towards Kansas because Kansas able to light it up from the outside a little bit better. They're a team that's playing quite a bit more up-tempo than Iowa State. Meanwhile, if you think that this game is going to be an under, like I do, because I wound up saying my total at 135, it bodes a little bit better for Iowa State, a team that is really looking to slow things down, keep things controlled. So I take a look at this spot. I think that Iowa State is going to be able to make this game a little bit more defense-oriented. I like the under, but what I wound up giving out for the near post, Iowa State on the spread. It always depends upon the overnight number, so it's probably going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 11 to 11.5. Like I said, I set my line at 7, so I like either of those. you have, Whether you have the hook on there or not, obviously try to get the best number if at all possible, but I certainly am going to be taking a look at the points here when it comes to Iowa State. Now, there was an SEC game a little bit earlier that I was not able to hit on, and we're going to hit upon it right now. Ole Miss, Texas A&M. This is 659, 660 on the betting board. Texas A&M finds themselves between a 4- and a 5-point favorite, and your total on this game is between 133.5 and 134. And when it comes to Texas A&M, this is a team that's playing much more up-tempo this season. Last year, they were in the bottom 50 with regards to possessions per game. This year, they're number 150. They have increased their tempo by about 4.5 possessions per game, but I do take a look at this game, and I think that we are going to be in for an under here because when it comes to this Ole Miss team, they have been playing quite slow themselves. Now, when it comes to Ole Miss, it certainly has been... A team that has been dealing with quite a few injuries as for the last two games they've been without their top scorer Jarquel L. Joyner. A guy that's been able to shoot right around 40% from three-point range, 15 points per contest. So that means that Jamin Brakefield is going to need to step up for the team. A guy that comes in from Duke, he's been able to shoot 40% from three-point range. But all in all, Ole Miss, they only shoot right around 32-ish percent from three-point range. So... I do think that that's going to be a little bit of an issue. And when it comes to Texas A&M, this team has been absolutely tenacious with the way that they have been able to force turnovers. This is a team that they generate over 10 steals per game, one of the top marks out there in all of college basketball. And it's, once again, one of these scenes in which everything just comes together and it meshes correctly. You don't have, like, one star prospect on this team. You don't have one dominator. Quentin Jackson right now, your top scorer with right around half points per game. But you do take a look at this Texas A&M bunch in despite the fact that they shoot terribly at the free-throw line, 63.7%. They shoot right around 38.7% from three. That's in the top 30 in all of college basketball. Marcus Williams, the transfer from Wyoming, has been able to give this team 10.5 points per game. He's been able to give some explosiveness on the offensive side of things. Henry Coleman, Tyrese Radford, pair of transfers that have come together from the ACC, and they've been able to give the team 11 rebounds and 19 points per game. So I think that these guys are going to go off, and they're going to have themselves a very good showing. And then you take a look at this Mississippi bunch, and... Having to deal with the ailments has certainly taken a little bit out of them. Now, the good news for Ole Miss is that now they've got back out there one of their star recruits in Deshawn Ruffin. He's a five foot nine, little bit of a jitterbug guy who has been able to give the team twelve points and right around three and a half assists per game in the six games that he's been out there. Not necessarily a great three point shooter, but Matthew Morel is able to make up for that 9.5 points. He's shooting 41.5% for three-point range, but Ole Miss is a team that's really looking to slow down their tempo. They've really been doing that ever since Yarkol Joiner went out of the fold. They wanted playing one dead under against Tennessee, and then they were able to win outright against Mississippi State. That was a game which was just completely harebrained, so I think that it's going to be very fascinating to see what you wind up getting in this one, and I think that Texas A&M is going to be able to continue the good play that they've been able to have this year. I'm willing to lay up to six here with Texas A&M, and I do think that they're going to get back to their roots a little little bit more play a little bit more slowly i think that they're going to be playing some nasty defense against an old miss team that has neither been great nor terrible with regards to generating turnovers turning the ball over themselves so i do think that this is going to be a good spot here when it comes to texas a&m want to lay it and i'm going to be taking a look at the under as well and then an underdog i really like for this college basketball tuesday how about if we go with san jose state this is 671 672 a little bit of a later game this one is going to be 7 o'clock p.m pacific 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern. Fresno State is finding themselves between a 15 and a half and a 16-point favorite. And when you wind up getting this big of a favorite with a team that plays this slow, you are really rolling the dice. Fresno State, in terms of possessions per game, they are in the bottom 10 in all of college basketball. Now Orlando Robinson is someone that's saying seven feet tall. He shoots 34% from three, 18.7 rebounds. He has been absolutely insane for the scene, but San Jose State is now under the tutelage of Tim Miles, and this guy is able to coach his rear end off. I mean, he got Nebraska to the NCAA tournament. Getting Nebraska to the NCAA tournament is a Herculean feat right there, and he's got himself a team of guys that a lot of them wanted coming in from the Power 5 level, like Tibet Groner. He winds up coming in from Arizona. Gentleman from Turkey has been able to give the team 10.5 points per game. Now, turnovers are a little bit of a wolf for this For this bunch, they have been committing right around 13 of the half of them per contest, but Omari Moore, they will shoot it well from three. And San Jose State, they shoot above 40% from three-point range as a collective. You got a friends of state team that they're able to win from within, but the Jamiro Baker injury has really caused things to be a little bit more out of sorts when it comes to the backcourt. You do have Jordan Campbell, a guy that's able to give you right in the pocket of about nine or so points per game, but... Also not a guy that's able to shoot it from three-point range. Take a look at this Fresno State team, and they've been able to do a very good job on the glass with Robinson being able to headline that. But when it comes to this Fresno State team, where they can be at... They rank right around 161st in the country with regards to three-point shooting defense. This is a San Jose State team that they really rely exclusively on being able to hit from the outside. Now, you take a look at Deion Stroud. He's been able to get the team right around seven points per game. But you also take a look at the total in this game. I think that's set to high for what I just mentioned a little bit earlier. The fact that you've got a Fresno State team that is really, really stinking slow. San Jose State, they're outside the top 225. With regards to possessions per game as well, we're seeing this right around a 128. I personally wound up having a little bit of smaller differential on the total, but with regards to my total, I set this more around a 126. So I'm going to be taking a look at an under in the spot. And I'm gonna be willing to take the points here when it comes to San Jose State. We're actually seeing a stray 16 here at Circa as well. So we like a lot with regards to college basketball betting board. If you missed anything or you're looking for a couple other game breakdowns, go soups with myself, Greg Goops said is part of the VSON family podcast. So we've got you covered there and we've got you covered with a little bit of everything when it comes to VSIN, the Sports Bang Network. And if you're listening to the replay of this, follow the money with Metropoli is up next right here on VSIN, the Sports Bang network.
0: If you dare.